0: Six thousand for one zero thousand. Two seven zero, climb to
1: twelve so thousand, just- Celsius.
0: liar here it is friday february 23 2024. t-minus two weeks until the trade deadline i guess it's less than two weeks by the time you all hear this on sunday got a big series coming up this weekend rangers penguins back to back so with big playoff implications or some such nonsense but (sighs) In the hole, we're kind of in a weird waiting pattern here for the uh, for the deadline, waiting for things to happen. Do they sell? Do they re-sign fucking everybody that they haven't already sold? Who knows? But we'll talk about all that and more. But first, let me introduce my co-hosts for the evening. Mike Aceto is back, as always. Mike, what's going on? Uh, good evening,
2: gentlemen. Great to be with you, as always. Uh, you know what? I was at the outdoor game last week, and you know we can get into that, but... I, uh, my feet are still freezing a little bit. I'm finally getting some feeling back. So everything's a okay, but man, that was a cold game. Absolutely freezing, absolutely freezing. So, uh, but happy to be here tonight. Happy to discuss all the comings and goings of the flyers, mostly, uh, people staying, it seems like with some of the negotiations, uh, and rumors going on now. So we will, we will dive into
0: that as well. There may be a point tonight where I do three hours on Nick Steeler and you're all just going to have to sit back and listen to it. So fair warning in advance, you two. But uh, (laughs) Manny Benavidez is also here. Manny, how's it going?
1: Awesome, gentlemen. Salutations and greetings. Speaking of cold feet, Mike... We are finally the witching hour approaches deadline time. We're going to find out what kind of general manager Danny Breer is. We're going to find out what kind of rebuild this is. If it's even a rebuild at all or what type of a rebuild it is, who knows, but we're going to get a lot of answers coming up to some of our very
0: poignant questions. And we're going to enjoy that ride together. Yeah. And uh, Katie was on the show last weekend. And she was also at the stadium series game uh, talking her experience. And I believe her biggest note as well was that it was cold. So Mike, what was your uh, trip to MetLife like?
2: Oh, geez. Yeah, it was it was a lot colder than it may have seemed. Um, you know, I had so many damn layers on. I mean, just it, like I was going up to Antarctica or something, or down to Antarctica, <laughs> that is. And uh, everything was fine, except my feet were freezing. And I had like three inches of socks on, like multiple pairs of socks, boots, and it still was not enough. I don't know what you need for that. You need some sort of synthetic technology to protect your feet. That was the worst part. But, um, you know, it was I went because I had a friend that uh, that lives in the area up there and had never been before and really wanted to go. So I said, fine, I'll go with you. And we have pretty good seats during in the second level, which is basically where you want to be in those games. Um, but the experience is just it's just rather difficult and aggravating, to be honest with you. I met Life Stadium is extremely large, extremely busy. Um, it takes forever to get in, takes forever to get out. Um, when you're there, you can't see anything. I couldn't see the numbers on the jerseys. It was that MetLife is that big. It's in the center, obviously. And, and you can't see shit. You can see these little dots kind of skating around and stuff. I mean, you can't see sticks. You can't see pucks. Um, you're just kind of sitting there freezing and waiting. Um, and you know, that's about it on that end. I mean, I would not go back. <laughs> I don't think tickets are expensive. Flyers normally suck during that as well. I think they're like one f- four and something or, uh, just horrible record. But, um, yeah, yeah, I would, I would not recommend going back. And then, you know, what was really weird too, was, so if you remember the Jonas brothers, everybody's favorite band actually played. <laughs> for like an hour before the game. And I guess they couldn't get another band to play after the second period. So they came back and played again <laughs> for another like half an hour, which is pretty wild. And they played on the left side of the stadium behind one of the nets. And for some reason, they didn't allow anybody to sit in like three huge sections there because they had all the lighting and stuff behind them, which was weird because, I mean, those aren't great seats, but they're lower level seats that they just blocked out for the entire game. I didn't actually see the Jonas Brothers at all because they were on the opposite side from me. And again, it's like you're about, a, you know, probably a mile and a half away. So I just saw a bunch of lights and and video screens. Uh, But, uh, yeah, it was – I didn't see any fights or anything like that. It was pretty tame. I saw some pretty cool jerseys. I drank a lot of beer and we left early. You have to leave early, man. If you don't, you will be stuck in that travel. I don't know if Katie was stuck there, but you could be sitting for probably up to two hours trying to get out of that place. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't the greatest experience. I I had fun with uh, with one of my buddies, but uh, yeah, I don't think I'd go back. I do not.
0: Yeah. I do not regret not going. Yeah. the cold <laughs> met life sucks i just uh no thank you that was not my not my scene but yeah very similar uh report to what katie gave us so pretty spot on there i guess uh-huh. the experience <laughs> the same was uh on the whole was the same and manny was in uh toronto for the flyers game right last week two weeks ago 15th A- absolutely i was uh
1: at the flyers game uh where they, they had their epic comeback from 3-1 down and then lost in overtime. And we saw the Austin Matthews show in the second period with the hat trick. But uh, overall, I mean, I got to say, I, I was agreeing with kind of what Nick was saying when he was on uh, last on, on Brotherly Pod. And it's like when you're actually there, you start to get a little bit of the juices flowing and you get a little bit more excited. So, like, whenever those Go Leaf Go chants were going on, I was finding myself, like, you know, cheering, let's go Flyers, and there was other people there definitely chanting along. Not as many Flyers fans as I thought, but there was still a good number of them. And I tried to get the phone out a couple of times for the jersey watch. There was about five or six Chris Pronger jerseys. There was a couple of Claude Giroux ones. There were a lot of Eric Lindros ones. I saw... Uh, A Gagne and a Clark in front of me. There was a guy and his girlfriend in front of us. And I saw a John Van Beesbrook jersey, which, wow, wow, that guy's brave. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I got to say. A JVB jersey.
0: Two weeks away from the trade deadline, and the big story is whether Sealer and Walker are gone. uh, Because on one hand, they should be. On the other hand, there have been rumors over the last few days that both of them have been considered for contract extensions. And, uh, it really puts the, uh, vision of the organization under the microscope. Ever since Breer took over, almost a calendar year ago, he's been using the word rebuild freely. Not a care in the world, we're rebuilding, we're doing this! And then he spent the last, you know... Almost year, doing a whole lot of things that sure didn't feel like any kind of real rebuild. And uh, this uh, deadline here with these depth defensemen, whether they stay or go is really going to highlight what the next step for this team is. And if they both end up here again, I never want to hear the word rebuild from Brie or anybody in this front office. Ever again. Never want to hear it. Because they're not rebuilding! Spoiler alert. And it's also underway... <laughs> so it keeps going from well
2: we're rebuilding well we actually started the rebuild a couple of years ago which they didn't and then it's like well this is a different classification of rebuild or different it's like at some point you have to just recognize it's not a fucking rebuild like it's just like everybody is trying to defend what they're doing to the nth degree and with wildly creative types of arguments and uh it's not really resonating yeah I, i agree dan it's like what are you going to do with this point? I mean, if they're going to bring back some of these players and this is the age old question with this team is, Oh, well we found some adequate players that we think we can be moderately competitive with. Therefore let's just stick with what we have. And that's been this team's issue for, I don't know how many years in a row now. And it's at, at some point you have to figure out what the grand plan is and forecast for the future here. And like, you know, John Tortorella has said comments to that effect as well, but he's, I think part of the issue with what's going on and I'm confused, you know, I mean, we will see. And there's been, you know, some of the talking heads out there, some of the, uh, the beat writer talking heads have, have, have scolded us, have scolded the commentators to not make any comments until we see what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I didn't run my opinion by them, so I'm probably out of line to have one. Uh, but, um, <laughs> I think it's fair to say that, you know, we can listen to some of the insiders like the Pierre Lebruns, et cetera, and see what's going on through those guys. And there are absolutely conversations the Flyers are having, especially with Nick Seeler right now, that they are considering a long term deal with him rather than moving him with the trade deadline. We've heard that before with many players.
0: I always like the argument that, they, uh, that they've been rebuilding for years now. Because, I mean, on one hand, it's kind of true. They were building through the draft. However, if you remember, their fifth overall pick, Cutter Gauthier, isn't here anymore because his idiot general manager couldn't sign him. So they're not actually rebuilding. That entire draft was a fucking waste of time. Samu Tuamala's second-round pick, doesn't matter. He's never going to see the NHL because he's trapped in the AHL. So it's they've been rebuilding. They've been sucking real bad the last few years, but they're reaping little benefit from what they were doing back then. So, no, they have not been rebuilding for years, and they're currently not particularly rebuilding right now.
1: Yeah, I know. I love the whole we were rebuilding, like, years ago argument, which, meanwhile, when Chuck Fletcher's around... The easiest way to, you know, ease the pressure on his job security would be to say, this team sucks, we're rebuilding, we're going to start, you know, the process of, uh, you know, starting over from scratch, and kind of building this thing up the right way. And instead, he goes out and get gets guys like Eric Gustafson and other makeshift stopgaps, doesn't actually admit that it's a rebuild, refuses to, in fact, because he's an idiot. And if he would have admitted that, hey, we're rebuilding, he would have bought himself at least another two extra years of job security. But needless to say, that is what it is. But um, yeah, I, as far as the talking heads go and uh, you know, chastising people, um, you know, for responding to things that are being put on Twitter, which last time I checked was a platform where people give opinions and react to things. Um, here's my response to those uh, pundits who were, by the way, paid by the flyers, etc. cetera. Ooh, spank me, daddy. Ooh, I'm a bad boy. Oh, don't tell me not to stop talking about the flyers. No, we'll we'll respond to things if we want to. And listen, things are put out there. And it's people who are willing to respond to it. Nobody's really overreacting to anything. I mean, I put out there that, you know what? I'm sorry. Giving Sean Walker trade protection on top of re-signing him? No, thank you. That's a no-go for me. That's an absolute non-starter. That's it. I mean, you want to re-sign him? You re-sign him. Whatever. We could talk about the term and everything else. But I'm sorry. Trade protection now? Let's not get crazy.
0: Gosh. I just I don't even know where to begin with this like in a bubble is Sealer fine? Yeah. Is Walker fine? Yeah. Are all these depth guys they have fine? Yes. This is not a matter of whether or not the player is good or bad. In a bubble, if they re-sign Nick Sealer for two by two, fine. Whatever. you know, Walker's probably getting a little more. Four by four seems to be the uh Average ballpark there again, whatever. But it's the fact that that argument is then made for every one of these depth players for Ryan Paley, Garnet Hathaway, uh, Nick Delorier. All of a sudden, you've got these guys. If you have let's do some quick math here, shall we? If Sealer gets four million, Walker gets four million, Sealer gets two. Paling already signed for 1.9, DeLaurier has 1.75, and Hathaway has 2.375. That's what a little over 12 million dollars. 12 million dollars for your fourth line and third pair defense. That's five roster spots, 12 million dollars. I ju- I can't even fucking fathom why they're doing that. Like it's if you wanted to keep one of them, fine. They're not bad players, but it it does not make any sense to have this many players and this much money and this much term committed into your fourth line and third pair defense. The Flyers are not at this point in the fucking timeline yet. There's a reason why teams like Toronto and Edmonton want these guys, because their cores are in place. And all they need are these slightly above-average depth players to push them over the edge to try and win a cup. The Flyers are built exclusively on mediocre depth players. It may be enough to get them into the playoffs. They could make it. And then they're going to get their fucking shit rocked by the Hurricanes. For what? They need a number one defenseman. And quite frankly, if you would argue, they probably need a solid number two defenseman as well. They need a young, dynamic, offensive, talented center they need at least three more forwards that can score with any kind of regularity these depth players should not even be on the fucking radar yet and they're gonna retain both of them i just can't even fathom this shit and then you go on twitter and the excuses well sealer's it's like okay by the way first and foremost sealer's not gonna get a league minimum contract again i saw a lot of that today he's gonna get seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. yeah he's getting around two it's gonna be two or three million yeah and somebody said, well, you know, they can always bear the contract. And my first thought to that was if that is your concern when you ink the contract, is can I bury this? You probably shouldn't be signing that fucking contract in the first place. Okay? If that's the main concern. So, like, the players are fine, but there's too many of them, and the rest of the team is not good enough. It's just not time yet for these depth players. And keeping them under contract is nuts. Even if everybody, if the, uh, even if Walker and Sealer both just get one-year deals, you need to assume that both of them can maintain this exclusively high level of play for another year to even try and sell them a next year's deadline. Why does Briere insist on looking a gift horse in the mouth here? I don't have any fucking clue. And as we were talking about before we went on the air here, when they go, oh, wow. Well, if Breer can't get that first-round pick for him, then we just re him. And it's like, well, wait a second. That doesn't make any sense. And as I was arguing with people on Twitter uh, this morning, because I've been uh, thinking about this a lot lately, of like, you know, if Fletcher made that kind of argument, the Wells Fargo Center wouldn't have been burnt to the ground. But because it's Breer, nobody's thinking twice about it. And they're just totally fine and set with this bullshit. Yeah, I, I just... Oh, I just, I want to put all this on Twitter, and I just don't have enough characters. It'd be like 14 tweets long to put this rant on there. So I had to get it out somewhere. But yeah. sweet Christ, why are they re-signing Walker and Sailor, fucking rather than trading them?
2: Make think, it make sense, it makes, you two. I think it makes perfect Dan, I think that was extremely well put. I mean, in a matter of a couple of minutes, I think you really hit the nail on the head in terms of why there is a problem with what they're doing here. And I like what you mentioned at the end there about, well, if Chuck Fletcher did this, people would be all over him. And imagine, imagine this, that the Flyers go through the trade deadline again this year and don't do anything, just like last year. I mean, how bad is that going mean, to look? He that did is move JVR really and it
0: cost testing. him his job because the fan base threw a goddamn fit. I mean, that is really,
2: really testing the fan base's allegiance to this front office if they go through this trade deadline dial- uh, during year one, year one of the year bu- of the rebuild. And, well, the trade deadline didn't make sense. Nothing to do there. Now, I think that there would be they would be so embarrassed if they did that. It would be so extreme on their behalf to announce a full-fledged rebuild, even though we know it isn't, but – to stick with that and then literally do nothing at a trade deadline. That is absolutely ass backwards, makes zero fucking sense any day of the week. I don't care how you cut it. It is nonsense. And so under that, I think they're going to try to do something. But if you do look at all this, I think – I'm still like 50-50 on Walker. I think there's a chance that he stays, of course, but I think that given all of the backlash and how ludicrous it will look if they do not move anyone, I think that they're going to try to move at least one player just to save face and show we're trying here. Um, But, you know, you look at this roster and I guess the only guy that that would make sense for is Walker at this point, given that, There was reported that Nick Seeler is in negotiations for an extension. So if it got that far already, then it seems like that might be near nearing the finish line. If that's what LeBron is reporting on it. Um, We have not heard the Walker stuff maybe get to that point yet. And there still could be some things going on with him over the next couple of weeks here. But I would probably put it at about 50 50 that Walker gets traded and a zero percent chance that anyone else does. Manny, what say you?
1: God, you want a prediction of what's going to happen? I have no freaking clue what's going to happen. Um Listen, I I've, I've been skeptical from the beginning about Briere in terms of his experience and I just wasn't sure what exactly, you know, he was going to be bringing here to the table as a former player, you know, is he just, you know, one of the old boys club here in in Philadelphia? Is he just going to be the same old same old And I mean, I'm not going to pass judgment on him yet because we haven't seen the trade deadline, but this is going to tell us a lot about who this guy is and what kind of stamp he's going to be putting on this team, him doing nothing would be a bold move. And it certainly is a step in a direction. And no matter what he does, whether he trades, you know, a fan favorite like Scott Lawton uh, or whether he trades Sean Walker or Nick Sealer or whoever um, that remains to be seen. I do still think that Walker is the guy that's got to go. Um, there's just too many defenders on this team. There just is somebody's got to go. And I do think that I think that Lawton is I'm going to put it 60 40 that he's going.
2: Wow. Okay. Um, I hope so, but I,
1: I, I don't know. I'm getting this idea, although I'm hearing mixed signals and, and that's where I'm kind of going with this. I think that as a new GM, other GMs don't really know what to make of Danny Breer yet. They haven't really done a lot of dealings with them. They've heard things, but they haven't really had that much experience with them from the beginning of this season. And even prior to the season, he emphasized that we are in a rebuild. So that tells you that they are interested in shedding assets or sorry, shedding players and acquiring assets as the season has gone on. And the flyers just have kept up their winning ways and are clearly not a bottom 10 team in the NHL and are certainly the third in the Metro right now. And, Let's face it the devils are shitting the bed and if they had if they were even 3 quarters of what they were supposed to be we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Let's let's be clear about that. But they are what they are and it is what it is and as they keep going forward and winning they're still sending out these feelers and and messages of well we're willing to take calls on all these players and then they keep winning games. And then I'm sure that other GMs are sitting there going like,
2: yeah.
1: they want to take calls on guys? Like, I, I don't understand what they're doing here. And then they throw out these things in the media about, well, we're going to re-sign Nick Sealer. Well, we're, we're going to re-sign Sean Walker. And that kind of tells teams like, oh, okay, I guess they're not going to trade them then. I, I guess they're not selling. Or it's this devious, you know, the puppet strings of Danny Breer and his business savvy, where he's going to raise the price on everybody. Mm-hmm. And by all accounts, the asking prices for all these guys, a first round pick for Sean Walker, first round pick plus for Scott Lawton. Are teams just not meeting those prices or is it indicative that Danny Breer has set these prices too high to the point where other GMs are like, I'm not giving you a fucking first for Sean Walker. Like, good player, we want him. The question is, as you get past noon on the trade deadline day, the deadline's at 3 p.m., if a team comes in and says, Danny, final offer, bud, it's a second-round pick right now for Sean Walker, is it a yes or is it a no? He's got to actually know going in, and I'm sure he does. I'll give him this. He has to know going in what he's happy with and what he will accept. He might be posturing and playing these games or whatever. I can say that it might be confusing to people, certainly on the outside, who's not a GM. Are they selling? Are they not? Are they selling? Are they not? Like the record indicates that they're not selling. However, they keep saying that they're selling. Yet the prices are here. And then like, uh, it doesn't seem like they want to sell because the prices are so high. I'm sure that the GMs in their conversations have a better idea. And in their discussions with Danny, they have a better idea. But I can see that being a little confusing. And it becomes a poker game, guys. Like When, when that clock strikes one or two o'clock, and you got an hour or two left to do your business, are you going to be left holding the bag? Because the last GM that was here was left holding the bag. Remember that.
2: the last GM taught DB how to be a GM. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's a great point, Manny. Um, I think if I were to guess how other general managers are going to deal with Briere, I think they're going to take him to task. I think they're going to say, look, this is this guy's first rodeo here. Um, We're going to we aren't going to give him a bevy of first round picks for these players. We will give him mid round picks. Maybe, I don't know, a second we will max out at seconds we're going to lowball him a bit and see if the guy cracks. I think they're going to take him to task up to the trade deadline afternoon and see if he breaks. And, you know, at that point, you know, it's anybody's bet, but um I would be surprised if Danny just starts getting whatever he wants for these guys. And then at that point, it's like then the flyers have to bite the bullet because then they're stuck with these guys and they missed out on an opportunity, or maybe they should figure out a way to sweeten the pot. Maybe the flyers need to overpay for their position to unload a guy to be able to get that first round pick. Maybe it's, I don't know, Sean Walker plus to get a first round pick to bring back somebody with salary or something else like that. You you know, they got to get creative on it and maybe that's what he has to do. I don't know. But um, I do think that other GMs are going to take him to task on this. And I think that the Flyers are not going to be doing things a week or two early. This is something where we are going to be seeing action,
0: if any, up until that 3 o'clock 2:59 time. 2.59 p.m. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the prices are intentionally set high. They want a first for Lawton, who's probably worth, like, a fifth right now. And a first-round pick for Walker, which is theoretically possible, although probably teams would probably be more comfortable like a second and a fourth or something like that but uh it's a matter whether or not they bend do they say we want this we're going to hold firm to that until like 259 when they're desperately making calls to try and cash out on a second round pick for walker or do they do what we think they're going to do which is ah, we set first round pick nobody wanted him we're gonna retain him for another year we're gonna bring him back like the worst thing you can do right now is refuse to sell walker and then let him walk in free agency for nothing Yep. Which is an outcome right now. And, like, we will know at the deadline how this goes. If I was a betting man, I think one of these two, between Sealer or Walker, are going to be gone. But I'm not—I don't know which one it's going to be, and it wouldn't surprise me if both of them stay. So, Mm. like— Anything is on the table because there's been no clear evidence that anything is going on. We know they should be selling them. We know they've engaged with contracts with both of them. It's just a matter of, of whether or not they make these moves. And, you know, I have brought this up on a whole bunch of other shows, but everyone's already under contract next year. 18 of the 23 players on this team right now are under contract again next season. If you do that with Walker and Sealer, that's 20 of 23. That's Zumula, Stahl, and whoever random depth defense uh, depth forward they're wasting the career of at the moment sitting in the press box. That's it. They're running this shit back. So, yes, I would not be surprised in this culture based rebuild <laughs> if Nick Sealer or Sean Walker, or both, are actually here and given long term extensions. They get matching three year contracts, one for four mil, one for two. There you go. And people are going to be fucking cheering for it, even though it's the worst thing they could be doing right now. Where are they getting uh, these top players from? Where is this top defenseman that they need coming from? Where's this top center they need coming from? (laughs) You have all this money committed to this team. I don't know what the cap looks like next year. I would need to sit down and do some quick math on this one, but it's not great. Your forwards are already getting paid 5 million more total than they are this year. Your defense is probably going to be more expensive Sean Walker makes double the contract he's on right now. Same with Sealer. It's going to be, you're not going to have a ton of money to figure this out. And more importantly, you have no roster spots to figure this out. If they wanted to sign Sam Reinhardt, all 12 of your forwards are under contract. You would need to trade one first before you can sign Sam Reinhardt. Chuck Fletcherism. Wow, we can't add Alex DeBrencat because JVR is here! could be the same thing. We can't add Sam Reinhardt because Morgan Frost is here! Fuck it! They're gonna run this team back. It is what we've been preaching about for a year now. They just wanna be the Blue Jackets. This is what they've done. This is what they've done. They made. only have three players who are gonna be free agents after this season. Yeah. Three. That's
2: it. And they're and they're uh, Sean Walker, uh Nick Sealer, and Mark Stahl.
0: Yep. is <laughs> an RFA. Nope. And Zamulla, yeah, yeah. But it's like
1: that's
2: it.
0: That's and, it. Like it's three regulars. The entire <laughs> roster is already under contract. Yeah. That's insane for a rebuilding team. You would think they just won five Stanley Cups with a roster like this mm. with the way their contracts are laid out. They haven't made the playoffs in three years. And quite frankly, they could still miss the playoffs this year. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and everyone's already under contract for another year. <laughs> like, oh, my God. I go on Twitter and point this shit out and just have, Dozens of shitheads try and justify it. And I just can't come to a rational conclusion in my own mind how this makes any sense at all. You know, I'm I'm thinking about the argument that people put
1: forward on, on Twitter, which is, well, Danny Briere is uh, setting the prices high because, you know, fuck it. I wouldn't trade Sean Walker for a second round pick or a third round pick. And that's fair. And you know what? I understand that reasoning, to be perfectly honest. Um, he is, to be objective about it, he's in a position of strength in terms of the team is playing well. He doesn't necessarily have to do anything. So he's playing it off as, you need to come to me and blow my socks off with an offer. So if you want Nick Sealer, sorry, if you want Sean Walker or Nick Sealer whoever you want, you're going to have to meet my price and I'm setting my price. And if you don't meet my price, then you can take a walk because somebody else will come in and take them. And that's an interesting bargaining chip because the team can afford to be in that position because of their record. But don't forget, everybody's got two socks. There's the other sock though, which is the other GMs are going to sit here and go, you're Danny Briere. You're a first-year general manager, and you're fucking calling the shots on me. These guys are super competitive, and a lot of them are bloodthirsty fucking sharks. If you think that you're gonna go to, you know, Bill Zito, and try to do something like that with him, or to Julian Brisebois or to any of these other guys. <laughs> They're going to sit there and go, I'm sorry, who are you? You're Danny Briere. Yeah, that's right. A former player. Yeah. I'm Bill Zito. I was an agent. I've been in these negotiations before. I know all about who's got the upper hand and who doesn't. I'm giving you this offer and that's it. And if you won't want it, I'll go somewhere else. You know what? If you don't want to trade me Scott Lawton, then I'm going to go get Adam Henrique and that's it. That's what's going to happen. Now, well, it's going to be real interesting to see which side blinks here. But I think for the people that are really pointing out the, well, Danny Breer's in a position of strength and people have to come meet his price because we're not trading these players for second round picks. I get it. But the shoe on the other foot is Bill Zito's not going to capitulate to a, to a rookie GM in order to get Nick Sealer or Sean Walker. Right. Like, let, that, let's let be clear. He's not going to be stupid about his assets either. He's no. going to want to do the best thing for the Florida Panthers. And that goes for any other team in the league. The idea, though, is, oh, you're always going to find one stupid GM. Yeah. OK, we'll see. That remains to be seen.
2: Well, Shirelli is no longer in operation. So those uh, those GMs are far and few between these days. But, you know, I think you also bring up a good point there where it's like, Look, on the other hand, a guy like Walker is going to be a free agent UFA after the season here. So if you don't move him, as Dan suggested, you know, you're going to keep him for some uh, fictional playoff run that you think you're going to have this year. And then the guy is going to hit free agency in the summertime and very likely will get a more lucrative deal from another team. The Flyers probably will not be competing for his services in the free agent market. And then all of a sudden. You missed out on getting that second round pick, you know, and not that that is a game changer anyway, but um, the Flyers have positioned themselves where they need to find game changers and the players they have to trade aren't really going to get them those. And so it's like they really screwed themselves in multiple ways here and they're going to have a lot of problems. I mean. Again, they are thinking, oh, well, we're gonna get our 1C and our top D, all that sort of stuff later in the first round or in the middle of the second, third, fourth round, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna pick out our braiden point. That's how we're gonna get them. And they're relying on those needles in the haystack and hope that they're gonna get one during this rebuild. And I'm sorry, but when you make your team to model it. As the exception rather than the rule. I think that is extremely foolish. And that is pretty much what the Flyers seem to be doing right now um, in in terms of how, you know, they they put themselves in this position. Oh, Oh, well, we don't have a top five pick. Oh, well, no fucking shit, because you refuse to be bad enough to get a top five pick. That's on you. That's not on the other teams in the league, not on the GM or anybody. That is on you.
1: The, the interesting thing, too, is the same people that yell and scream, you can't tank because then you only have a 20 percent chance of getting Connor Bedard. OK, so you'd rather do, you know, get four second
2: round picks and hope one of them becomes Braden Point. That's less than. 20, <laughs> yeah, that's way exactly. Than well, you time. that's completely right. May. that's how that is exactly what the response is to the people that think that it is inconsequential and not and 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 not the right move to try to get those top picks at any point during a rebuild what freaking team does that that has success like you cannot build your team to be the exception rather than the rule the rule is you go when you are rebuilding and you acquire multiple top 3 top 5 6 top five picks a couple of years in a row and you try to hit on those will you always hit on them are there guarantees no but the chances are far better that you get game changers doing that than whatever the fuck they're doing now and trying to pluck them out at the end of the third round that is a, a ridiculous approach to team building and i cannot understand why they are doing
0: it and i still haven't heard a good reason why it makes sense and on the other flip side of that they have all these draft picks, and no matter how well they draft, if none of their young guys ever play in the NHL, then does it really matter? Ole Lexel was sent down today. He spent a full month sitting in the goddamn press box. He played four games. One of those games was four minutes and 30 seconds of ice time. A full month. He was called up on January 23rd. He was demoted on February 22nd four games including the entirety of the all-star break while the lehigh valley phantoms are getting beat like a red-headed stepchild because no reason because no reason bobby brink is still down there never saw him again probably never will at this point emil andre nowhere to be seen ronnie addert still down there and if these two shithead sealer and walker come back there's none neither one of them are going to make the team next season samu you your fucking all-star Nowhere to be found, never going to see an opportunity. All 12-year forwards are under contract next year, so it's not just like Bobby Brink and Lexal are going to walk onto the scene in training game and get a spot, because it's not going to fucking happen that way. So, it doesn't matter how well they draft. Fuck it, you may as well keep Walker and not get that first-round pick, because it's not going to fucking matter, because you're never going to use him in the NHL! Mm -hmm. I hate this. Rebuild. (laughs) You're not selling your players and you're not playing your prospects? In what fucking goddamn universe is that a rebuild?
2: yeah it's it's insane and i love the response dude these people are just so out of their minds in terms of trying to justify what the flyers have done and the Ali Lexel thing they're like oh well if he's in the nhl then the flyers can give him more money so they're actually paying him more they're doing him a service by paying him more like if you are running your organization according to that kind of logic like you shouldn't be in this business like you need to put their players in the right league, on the right teams where you can win with them or develop them or have some sort of plan. Not because you want them to make an extra couple hundred thousand dollars by sitting on the bench or in the press box in the NHL. That is an absolutely ludicrous justification. There is no way that that is what they are thinking. And if they
0: are, then you are not going to succeed. At all. I can't even believe, that excuse leads me to believe that they don't have a better excuse than that because they realize that their prospects are this fucked up that it's not a real development. All Lexell making a couple hundred bucks, extra couple bucks a week sitting in the press box eating popcorn, when in reality, if that's your argument, you're cutting the legs out from under, making a few hundred bucks now, but not playing him, not developing him, not giving an opportunity to play, you're stealing a multi-million dollar contract from the guy in a few years when his ELC is up because you're not developing him and playing him in any of the NHL! The $200 a week ain't worth it, my guy! Fuck!
1: The really interesting thing is a lot of people, and you can't put this on Twitter because it's just a cesspool, but if you actually look at the development, Dan, your criticisms of the Lehigh uh, Valley Phantoms and their development strategy and how it relates to the Flyers and their development strategy for their prospects, Russ Cohen was on Isaiah's show earlier this week. I heard that. Yeah. He echoed a lot of the criticisms and and he put it really strongly as well. I mean, listen, with not as much screaming and stuff as you did. But <laughs> he basically he literally his arguments were that the development thing he doesn't understand what the flyers are doing. He pointed Lexell out by name and he said that they completely mismanaged him yeah. with what they've done in the bouncing him up and down and and sitting him. And then when he plays, he plays for like five minutes in a game. If you're lucky, which is, yeah. not, which is nothing. And then they he pointed out, he goes, you know, you're talking about re-signing guys like Walker and like Sealer. And then you still don't really know exactly what you're going to do with Zamula, who has looked good at times this season. He's also looked a little bit eh this season as well but that's kind of to be expected and i think overall he's been better than people thought he was going to be i think people already had written him off as we're just going to chuck this guy and let him go as a free agent and they still might do that i don't know but he basically pointed out that guy too he pointed out he goes you're going to sign walker and sealer you don't know a hundred percent what you've got with zamula although you kind of do, but you kind of don't because you're playing seven defensemen all the time and he's the seventh guy. So that is problematic for Russ Cohen. And then he says, you're signing these guys for all this extra money. What about a guy like Adam Ginning who would be making league minimum and he might be able to play on that bottom pair? Yeah, Might, but you don't know because you haven't tried it and you haven't brought him up. He said... It's criminal that Ronnie Adder has, you know, hasn't been up and played.
0: That's the big and one that, for me. And the that way they treated should, Ronnie Adderd.
1: and that he should, at a minimum, have five games in the NHL just to kind of, you know, see what he can do and, and keep him going. The whole strategy was he was very critical about the development and kind of what's going on with young players, and that goes to your point, Dan. Like, what's the point of having hoarding these draft picks? And then you don't have a freaking plan for them and you don't want to give them anything like (laughs) I get it. Everybody loves draft picks. I love them too. But at the same time, it's also about being real and being honest this year, all the big prospect people, Sam Costantino, Craig button, you know, Drager, all these people that, you know, you look at, they all agree that after around number 20, there's a pretty good drop-off in the talent level. So I really don't even care about a second-round pick this year. I'd rather get the second-round pick next year and take a gamble that it's going to be a better draft. I think the first round is going to be better. How much deeper it is, I don't know but uh, it should be better than what it is right now. Cause I don't have too much hope that you're going to find any of these diamonds in the rough, no stud Braden point, not this year anyway.
2: And it, the flyers aren't even going to be picking in the top 20. Anyway, they have the Panthers pick, which will be they between win the cup 29. Here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it'll be late twenties or thirties. Uh, and the flyers pick, I mean, very well could be 18, 19, 20, 20, something. at least yeah. it's, it definitely possible. So you're not <laughs> your first rounders are are not even in in a relative tier that is that is appropriate for what you're doing. It's funny. There was an article uh, and speaking of some of the draft guru guys, uh, Corey Prodman had his um, his summary of the draft out. And it's funny. I I wanted to pull this quote real quick because it's so adverse what the Flyers are doing. He goes, the projected number one pick Macklin Celebrini is a strong first overall candidate. Very good chance to be a star number one center in the league. Also four defensive prospects in the draft who have at least a chance to be a number one defenseman in the NHL. There are two other excellent center prospects behind Celebrini as well. That combination of talent leads to a strong top of the draft at premium positions and potential building blocks for rebuilding organizations. (laughs) Now, the Flyers have no chance, zero, zip, nothing, to acquire any one of those players that Prodman is is talking about. Nothing. Not even them, and then not even in the secondary tier in the first round inside that top 20. Like, what are we doing here? What the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> You're not winning a cup with this team. You're rebuilding a different way which is ridiculous. What do you think? I'm a fucking moron. Like I don't buy that for one fucking second. We're rebuilding a different. No, you're not. You don't know what you're doing. You do not know what you're doing and you do not have a long-term plan. That is what this is. It is infuriating to see draft after draft, after draft high end prospect, after high end prospect, after high end prospect, go to other teams and the flyers are not in a position to acquire them. I cannot stand it anymore. God.
1: And, and that's the whole weakness with that, with the argument of it's a different rebuild, is you ask them. So where are we getting the star talent from? And there, there's no answer. The answer is we, we're getting Mitch That's the, that's the answer. And Mityakov is a star, and he's gonna be a star. I firmly believe that. However, he doesn't play center. And that's gonna be a big problem. That again, this te- this organization just refuses to fucking admit that that center is such an issue. Like this organization went through decades. What was the problem position? Goaltending. I remember people up here on TSN and sports saying, it's almost like the Flyers are trying to win a cup without a goaltender. It's like, they're trying to shove mud in your eye and saying, look, we don't yeah. need Marty Brodeur. You look, we don't need Patrick Waugh. We don't need Hasek. We don't need any of these guys. We're going to win with Brizgalov. We're going to win with Mason. We're going to win with, and I know Mason, I know it's a touchy subject. We're going to win with all these other guys instead of going out and getting the horse. It's almost like now with the roles reversed, we want to do anything. We want to win the cup without centers. We don't want a top center. We don't even, we might not even get, have a number two center. Maybe right now we do, but going forward in the future, we want a bunch of number twos and threes. That's what we
2: want. And they wonder why, yeah, I'm exactly right, Manny. And they wonder why the power play has been so putrid for years on end. It's like, that's where star players shine. That's where a lot of the stars are able to take advantage of having one man up and having a ton of offensive zone time, they get creative, there's a lot of movement, they got a lot of shots on net, and they score a lot. It's a great opportunity to use that to your advantage when you have good, skilled players. Like You can't go on just trying to win games on the penalty kill all the time and beating teams 2-1. to one. It doesn't work in this league. It only gets you so far. It gets you to a mediocre playoff bubble team, and then you peter out. We've seen the song and dance with John Tortorello teams before, but the team is being built in that mold. And they're, and they seem to be accepting that that's the mold that they want because John is John's calling the shots here. Apparently he's the one who, who dictates everything with the organization. And um, it's a huge problem. I mean, they are going to be digging themselves even deeper here. If they don't change course, I don't know if they have the fortitude to do that, but um, you know, I don't see how you can operate an NHL team and be okay with, with a horrendously bad power play year after year after year, with no ability to change this. There is nothing outside of Mitch Koff. is going to need a lot of help. that's going to come in here and change that power play. They just don't have the talent in the organization to run it to an extent at a competitive and legitimately Stanley cup caliber way. Um, and I think that's going to be a
0: thorn in their side for years. And that, that dovetails into this lack of high end talent argument. And it hurts. You know, like, you realize the Phantoms have a top-five power play, right? Almost exclusively personnel-based. Emil Andre and Adderd running the show. Tuamala leads the league in rookie power play points. Oli Lexel led the AHL in power play goals before this fuck-up, call-up ruined everything. Like, you have a exclusively a team down there with a top-five power play, and your NHL one, I believe, a second last, last time I checked. And you're, uh, you're not even giving these guys opportunities to succeed why isn't emil andre running your power play at the nhl level because travis sanheim needs to be up there for the eighth consecutive year to prove that he can't quarterback they're not even giving drysdale an opportunity for fuck's sake let alone anybody else it's just the, the the differences of this organization and like the every time i talk about ollie lexell or any of these prospects on twitter just i can tell people don't pay attention to the phantoms like, I'm one of the very few that watches the AHL product, and that's easy to tell based on the thing. Because I was arguing with somebody the other week about Wade Allison. He goes, well, Wade Allison only has this many points. Well, yeah, and if you paid attention to the storyline of what the whole season has been for Allison, the first two months of the year, he was in Ian Le Perrier's doghouse, but he's been fucking on fire the last month because he was finally given an opportunity to play his game, and he's succeeding, believe it or not. Maybe just a general storyline that the organization should be following at this point. But... It doesn't matter if these guys would have, you know, three times the points. If they put up 300 points a year, there'd still be excuse to not use them at the NHL level. Why even have prospects? Adderd's the other big one. Lexell, the one, the point-per-game guy through a year and a half, he should be given an opportunity. But Adderd is the other big one that, like, how do you have this guy? He's signed next year on a one-way contract, by the way. He should theoretically be on the main roster. Now, that's never stopped them from putting players on waivers before. But you don't know what you have in Ronnie Adderd. Even if he does make the main roster purely by default next season as our number seven, can he play in the NHL? You don't know because you haven't developed him. And I love when people write him off. Well, Le- Ollie Luxell's not an NHLer. How do you know that? How do you know a guy that has played, let's see, how many NHL games does he have under his belt? 12? 13? What's he at? 15? 13 NHL games under his belt. And you have written him off as an NHLer and you don't know why. It was funny. Kevin Kurtz the other day put out a tweet, I guess he did some kind of feature on Owen Tippett, that uh, apparently two years ago, to the day, Owen Tippett was sent down to the AHL, and then the Flyers acquired him, and he's been on the main roster ever since. Owen Tippett played three years in 94 games with the Florida Panthers, primarily in a depth role, doing a whole lot of nothing, because he was just the odd man out on that group. He goes to the Flyers, Looks like he's going to be a 30-goal, 50-point guy for the remainder of his career. Because he was given a fucking opportunity to play. How, what do you know? A young guy getting ice time in a better situation, and you can use him properly, and he plays well. Mind-blowing shit! Maybe try that with some of your own prospects. Give break ice time that isn't on the fourth line. Stop playing Lexel at 4C! Put only Lexel on the power play, the same place that he's excelled! Get Cam Atkinson's washed-up ass off this team and put Lexel there! You would see marked improvements! GUARANTEED! And they don't even bother! They don't even give their own fucking prospects opportunities, so it doesn't matter who they draft! Anybody other than Mitch Cobb's never gonna get that opportunity! They're never going to give their own prospects. All. You know what? They may as well just run it all back. Let's just top out as this bubble playoff team with the exact same 23-man group for another three years. Who gives a fuck? <sighs> <laughs> yeah, they're causing this on their own, too. And it's funny, um,
2: uh, man, a few minutes ago when you brought up some things that Russ Cohen had had been discussing on some other shows about – you know the things that John Tortorella is doing, things that the Phantoms are doing, and one thing that I remember he said that was that was quite interesting was that um, the Tortorella has has specifically not wanted or shown an initiative to install his system into the Phantoms or work with Le Perrier to uh, to figure out a way to you know have those players start playing the Tort system and style, so it's easier for them to integrate up to the Flyers, because what's happening now is is they're just doing whatever they want with the Phantoms, and they're coming up here, and, and Torts has to teach him from ground zero how to play his system and his style, and they're not that good at it, and they just go back to the Phantoms, and the cycle just starts over again. So I th- that was one of the things that, and I can see that being a problem. I don't know why why they don't want to do that. Maybe too much work, too much effort, things is not necessary, but um, that could be one of the obstacles that is at play that is self-inflicted. From the organization as to why these prospects aren't really graduating as well, and also I just think it's a John Tortorella problem. You know, I think it's widely apparent here that I just don't know if this is the guy that you want to start a rebuild with. I think he is a guy that you that you use a little bit later in time once you get your core group in that room, once you know who's going to be here long term. I think that's the guy, but I just think there's this thing with him where it's like I have to respect the veteran players. I need to squeeze everything I possibly can from this roster and it just it just is it doesn't sit right with me. I do not I get, I get a very very bad feeling that this is just ill-timed with him as a head coach with what the organization really needs to do right now. I think that's going to be a problem uh, moving forward entirely, not only just because of the way he coaches but because of the amount of power that he has within the organization and basically him telling the general manager what to do. So, you know, we've touched on that before, but I think that remains an outstanding problem here.
1: Well, I mean, that's because the focus is on the culture. It's not on development or anything else. By his own admission, John Tortorella, when he was hired here, basically admitted that offense isn't really his forte, that he's more of a defense Penalty kill, you know, kind of guy systems, you know, getting guys to be positionally, you know, well attuned in the in the defensive zone offense. He kind of just lets those guys do kind of the thing, their thing and goes from there. I mean, it's it's interesting, like everybody thought that the defense is going to be atrocious this year and the work that him and Bradshaw have done for this defensive group has been really impressive on that end. The problem is, though, is without star power, without talent up front, and yeah, I know, okay, Travis Konechny is a star. Okay, if you want to call him a star, you call him a star. However, he's not elite. He's not a center either. And that's the biggest problem. Um, don't forget, by the way, uh, elite Travis Konechny, uh is going to be second line Travis Konechny on the right wing when Madve Mitchkov comes over. So just putting that out there. Once he gets paid ten million dollars a year, uh, that'll be that'll be a fun one. Uh, but um, I, lo- I mean, listen, great season, and he's playing well. The thing with this trade deadline coming up, I was critical and sorry skeptical about Danny Briere. I never had any issues with him being able to do the easy things, and he's shown that he could do the easy things. But the problem is, is can you do the hard things? Can you look into the black hole, into the abyss, and say, you know what? We're not doing this. We're going another way. And that was the whole point of the rebuild, is when it comes time, are you going to be able to trade a Scott Lawton, who's put in a lot of time here and is a well-respected and really well-liked guy? But truth be told, the time's come, guys. Or do you sit there and, you know, get all emotional and say, no, we can't. Even though this is the second year in a row, we're going to be offered something substantial. We're going to keep him because reasons.
0: He's a leader,
1: man. You can't get right. I of know. But again, we, Danny Breer was brought here to <clears throat> do the hard things. Anybody can do the easy things. It's doing the hard, tough choices and going through with it and doing the things that need to get done. The things that need to get done are not always easy. In fact, it's the opposite. It's almost always difficult. And that's the whole thing where Danny's going to earn his stripes is what is he going to do? Because if, if our worst fears are realized... And he comes back and he runs this thing back. And everybody's going to be making the excuses for him. He doesn't even have to say anything. He doesn't have to show a call log. He doesn't have to do any of these other things. Everybody on Twitter is going to say, well, he didn't get the price that he wanted, so I'm glad he walked away. That's great. Just remember, there's always next season. You're asking a lot of these guys that have had rebounded rebound years to do exactly what they were doing this year again you're going to be asking all the young guys to take steps even though many of them are even on the team right now or injured or whatever and you're going to ask them to take bigger roles and everything and improve markedly next season it also ignores the fact that if you look at a team like the devil's And people are laughing at them and saying, oh, I thought this team was supposed to be good. Yeah, they lost their number one defenseman for three quarters of the season. And he's not coming back until next year. They've lost Jack Hughes at least twice on IR. It is what it is. And they don't have a goalie that could stop a freaking beach ball. Let me tell you that in the offseason, the Devils will go out and get a goaltender. Because they have to. They need to, they cannot go forward without a goaltender. If you think that the Devils are going to stand pat and they're going to be like this again next year, good luck. If you think that teams like the Rangers are going anywhere, they're not going nowhere. Carolina's going nowhere. Okay, Pittsburgh, great. And it's good to see them floundering. The Caps are coming on a little bit right now, but I think they're a little bit too far back. The Islanders are kind of in no man's land. Things are nice right now, but if you run things back with the same club, this is like exactly what happened to Chuck Fletcher a couple years ago when he ran it back and other teams markedly improved. Be careful. And then Danny Breer is not going to be able to hide because fans will be upset and saying, how come we're not as good as we were last year? How come we're not third in the Metro like last year? And then he's going to have to answer some questions, and that's going to be a problem. And I really hope it doesn't get to that, Danny. I really don't. You got to do the
0: right thing. It will. Do the right thing. It Nobody's going to Nobody's going to do it. This is this is Ron Hextall all over again. Nobody's going to think twice about Briere and his bullshit until it's far too late. Everything's far gone. What the hell was that? I have no <laughs> idea. There's a such a balloon. Happy birthday, I didn't need Mike. Anything. Uh, okay, great. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what that was, but anyway, early, but... yeah, it's 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 Ron Hextall all over again. It's like 2016; like nothing ever fucking changed. Ten years later, we're in the exact same spot we were when Hextall was here. Yeah, and that's it, Dan. Too is that the, and we've talked
2: about this as well. Is that the built-in excuses when this team inevitably takes a step back next season and is not as good? It's going to be oh well, development's not linear, you know. So it's like okay, well, because it's not linear, therefore they can just be bad now even though they're locked into some of these contracts and they have no daylight, it's you know all this stuff. So then that's going to go on for a couple of years, like it did with Hextall. Then after a few years, it'll be widely apparent that shit, this guy doesn't know what he's doing and we're screwed. And then the whole cycle starts over again. Yep. People start turning. That's exactly what can happen. Yeah. And that's when you don't do the hard shit first. So you just, you need to start from ground zero. You can't start at step two or three and just, and just blow by the really difficult shit when it comes to just tearing it down, getting the high picks and doing what most of the successful teams have done. They don't want to do that. So, um, yeah, so we're going to watch this happen and, and it's just going to bleed out in various ways. And yeah, I'd be shocked if this team, uh, this team, by all accounts, anyone can admit that they are widely overachieving, way overachieving. They are, 15 to 20 points ahead of what, of what they really should be. And I think if you look at that objectively, then you need to make decisions as a general manager based upon that. It's year one of the rebuild. The team is majorly overachieving. So how does that influence how your rebuild goes in year one? It shouldn't really influence it at all, but it might be because we have some amateurs that are apparently running the team right now. Uh, So it's a really tough pill to swallow. I don't really like what I'm seeing so far, but we'll see what he does. I guess we got to give him another 2 weeks here. Yep. Uh but you know it's uh it's it's getting a little dicey with some of the rumors out there.
0: All right everyone. We'll call it a day here. Uh got uh, I don't know who's coming on next week. We'll see. Somebody will be here next week, I'm sure. Uh plenty of sh- shows up this week. Papa 1000 ways to fly. Dylan got his prospect flyover. Uh, Noly Pod is back, so you can check those out. Plenty of shit on the website, brotherlypuck.com, at DanTheFlyerFan, at brotherlypuck, at brotherly underscore pod, Dan the flyer Fan underscore jerseys over on Instagram if you want to check that out. And uh, Mike, where can people find you on Twitter? At Flyer underscore AF. Manny.
1: At Manny
0: Benavidez. And as always, brotherlypuck.com. Check it out, guys. Lots of good stuff on the website. All right, everyone. Until next time, goodbye and good night.